Stewart is in. Goblin in alone with Stewart back in. Scores! Over the blue line, space. Philly on near circle, back door feet. What a blocker save by Portillo! Here comes Halliday, left wing, joined by Beck. Halliday will sauce it for Beck, stick with for him. What a goal! For plenty of time and space, walking in near circle to the back end of the slot. Eber beats it, tucks it in. What a goal! Cross ice, D. St. Val has it. Back door shot, what a save! Portillo, it's loose, and another save. Right pad, he's miraculous. Welcome to our house. You're listening to the Fighting Saints Report. And we welcome you into another edition of the Fighting Saints Report, the podcast edition. This is episode four for us, and excited to have the podcast on now Anchor FM, which is a a website that you can put your podcast on for free, and then it will actually populate other sites that play podcasts if it is deemed available. So this podcast is now available on Anchor FM. We'll be putting all the interviews on YouTube, and you can now also listen to the Fighting Saints Report on Spotify as well. So excited to keep the ball rolling here, and once again, excited to welcome Jim Leitner into the show. And Jim, I look forward to these weekly check-ins, not just to talk hockey, but also just to see how are things going for you back in Dubuque. Well, I would say that uh, right now, my I got a beard that probably looks a little bit like Oliver David's, and my hair is in desperate need of a haircut, so I'm glad we're not doing this on video. When I said, when I said how are things looking, I didn't mean your physical appearance here. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> it's, uh, I, can, I could use a shave and a haircut really bad. Other than that, it's, uh, you know, it, it helps when, there's, when there are nice days outside. Like yesterday was a really nice day outside, and, uh, you know, beautiful weather. You go for a walk, get outside, get some fresh, clean air, and, you know, that, that part's fun, but the days that are dreary and rainy, those are kind of a little more depressing and you just have to grind your way through. But uh, taking it uh, one day at a time like everybody else and just uh, trying, to, trying to survive and watch hockey on TV, video uh, documentaries and old games and everything like that. So just trying to grind my way through it. Yeah, I think everyone right now just trying to make the the best of the situation. And as you said, you know, some days are some days I love going downstairs and just being able to watch Netflix for for ten hours a day. Um, Other days, obviously, that gets that gets old, and you're wishing for it to be back at the rink. Um, But as we go through this podcast today, we're going to be talking about college hockey because uh, again, the college hockey season, much like the USHL and really every other hockey season outside of the AHL and the NHL have been canceled officially. So we want to kind of showcase some of the best seasons that Fighting Saints alum had in the NCAA ranks. And also, if you stay tuned later in this show, we'll have interviews with a couple of those players, including Tice Thompson and Willie Neerham. And I guess no better place to start than Tice Thompson. He tied for third in the nation in points this year, his sophomore season with Providence, 34 games, 44 points, a tremendous season for Tice. Yeah, and actually, he really built on that momentum of last year being drafted by the New Jersey Devils. Uh, You know, he's a guy who, when he was here just a couple years ago, he was, you know, just a real skinny kid who, you know, was still still trying to fill out his body and still trying to develop physically. And But, you know, I think when he was here in Dubuque, he really, his game, he took his game to another level. I mean, 
like we've always said, this is a great bridge between either midget hockey or, or high school hockey and, and division one college. And, you know, you can grow a lot in a year and, and he's a guy who really did. And, you know, it's, it's really cool to see him fill out now and, and put some, uh, put some meat on those bones. And, you know, it's, it's not necessarily surprising that he's having the kind of career that he's having at Providence because, you know, you could see it in his, you could see it in his eyes when he was here, the passion that he had and the, the will he had to, do, to just uh, to work hard every day and accept whatever role he was given. And, you know, it's those kind of guys that you enjoy, enjoy watching. And it, it's fun to see them, you know, reach their goals and their dreams because, because of all the hard work that they put in. And, you know, we saw that definitely here in Dubuque. And speaking of working hard, another player on this list, I'm just looking right now at the, the top 50 in, in scoring, and obviously that doesn't dictate completely a great season, but I figured that's where we will start. Uh, another player with hard work, I mean, James Sanchez, his first year at ASU, and he puts up 40 points, 10 goals, 30 assists, and he was a player in Dubuque that struggled a little bit just because he couldn't fully stay healthy so he was in and out of the lineup he never really got up to full speed after the first month of the season but he got to ASU and he took off and he didn't look back and that's I, I think a lot of people have to be really happy for James Sanchez to see him perform that way oh no doubt about it and you know he's a guy when he he played for his first two years at Michigan University of Michigan and really didn't uh, really didn't have the role that he really wanted uh, so he came back to Dubuque for a season just to get some seasoning and then uh, and then transfer to to another school, and you know I think when that happens, a lot of times when you're when you're at a school and it's not working out, it, it kind of can can ding your confidence a little bit. And uh, you know he came back to the USHL, took that step back, and you know really worked on his game. And the big piece to, to what what's a big part of his success this year is, you know, when he was in Dubuque last season, he was moved from left wing to center. And that was kind of an experiment that Oliver David had after looking at a lot of uh, game film that he, when he was at Michigan and, you know, he just looked at a lot of the attributes that James had and he figured that he'd be a good center. And uh, it really worked out for him well here in Dubuque and that's carried over to, to Arizona state, just playing with a lot more confidence and just with a, you know, a little bit more swagger. And, you know, we've seen many, many times that, if you just have confidence when you go out there and play, it, it can make all the difference in the world in your game. And um, the experiment that uh, Coach David had last year with with James, he actually replayed again this year with Stephen Halliday, and and he really took off after making that switch from left wing to center. So it's uh, it's kind of cool to see that. And you know, at this level, you see a lot of stories like that of guys. Uh, making a little bit of a, of a change or tweaking their game a little bit and really taking off and, you know, couldn't be happier for a guy like James to, to be doing that at Arizona state. Sanchez still with one more year at Arizona state, a player who ended their collegiate career, a former fighting saint a little bit earlier than they would have want, wanted to. And we actually had him on the show a couple of weeks back, but that's Nate Susis. But before he ended his career at Penn state, he was able to secure the all-time leading scorer in the Division One era for Penn State, and also the all-time leading goal scorer are now held by Nate Susi. So obviously 38 points this season are great, but those all-time accolades are something that Susi has to be proud of. No doubt about it. And, you know, the, the resume that he has is just remarkable. And 
you know, he's a guy who went from being undrafted to being to signing a free agent contract. <clears throat> excuse me, with the uh, with the Arizona Coyotes, you know, and just you look at again. We talk about all the the, the path that he took, you know, all the work that he put in in Dubuque, and then now at Penn State. You know, he's leaving as the all-time leading scorer, and he got an opportunity to sign a contract with the with the Coyotes. And you know, you couldn't ask for anything more. And you know, it's you know, a lot of times people think you know you have to be drafted when you're 18 years old, or you know, that's the end of the road if you don't get drafted. But you know, he's another guy who put in all the work over the last four years, over the last six years, really, when you include Dubuque. And you know, he's been rewarded with an opportunity to play for the Coyotes. And you know. Again, that's Penn State is a is a rising program. They've had a lot of success in the Big Ten. They won a couple of Big Ten championships, gone to the NCAA tournament, probably would have gone this year as well. So, and he was a big part of that. And you know, when you do that and you keep working, you keep your feet moving, and NHL teams are going to look at you and they're going to want to give you an opportunity. And before we hear from from the two players that I mentioned at the top of the show, Tyce Thompson, who we've already talked about, and Willie Neerum, who completed his first season with the Arizona uh, State Sun Devils alongside a former teammate, James Sanchez. Talking about two more Sun Devils, including Willie Neerum as we transition to those interviews. But before we talk Neerum, I have to look at Josh Maniscalco, a former fighting state defenseman in his second season with Arizona State. And he was seventh in the nation with 32 points in 36 games from the blue line. Oh, yeah. And, he, you know, he's another one. He, you know, he came here after he was at the National Team Development Program. Uh, for a couple of years, and then he came here for one more year to, to develop. And you know, he's another guy. You, 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 when his he was here in Dubuque, he really took off and and took his game to another level. And you know, he was really well prepared for when he got into into Arizona State. And you know, I, over the Christmas break, I had an opportunity to talk to Greg Powers, uh, the coach out there at Arizona State, and and he mentioned Josh. He mentioned uh, Jacob Semek. He mentioned Niram and Sanchez as guys that. When they came to Dubuque, when he, they came to Arizona State after spending time in Dubuque, they were really well prepared, not only hockey-wise, but also maturity-wise, you know, that they were able to handle everything that came their way. And uh, so he's, uh, I think if, if there's a reason why a lot of Fighting Saints go to Arizona State or why they like to recruit guys with Dubuque ties, uh, it's because of that. And the, the, the work that they have with Oliver David and the coaching staff here uh, so they're not only going to be prepared hockey-wise, but they're going to be prepared uh, mentally and, and uh, emotionally. And uh, we just talked about Willie Neerum, and that's who you'll hear from next on the Fighting Saints report. And I don't want to tease too much of that interview, but when I was talking to Willie, it, we really keyed in on the fact that he started pretty slow this year, and, and he mentioned it was very slow by his standards as well. But then the last 13 games, he was a point-per-game player. So something really clicked, and he figured out the NCAA level once again in the second half of the season for Arizona State. Oh, for sure. And, you know, that's uh, – we've seen that a few times with Willie. You know, it, maybe it takes him a little while to get started, but uh, once he gets started, he can really go on a, a scoring binge and, and put up a lot of numbers. And, you know, he's got a game. He, you know, he's he's a big, physical, rugged guy that can go to the front of the net and, and – you know, put pucks behind goaltenders. And again, I think that's a matter when you get a little bit of confidence going and, you know, you feel good about yourself, then the, the numbers take care of themselves. And, uh, but again, it, Arizona State as a team, I think was going to uh, play in the NCAA tournament this year. And, uh, and both those guys up, up front, at least, were big parts of, uh, 
uh, Niram and Sanchez were both big parts of why they were having success. And again, the other two guys on the back end, Semek and Maniscalco, were big uh, parts of the defense core. We'll be able to talk to Willie Neerham here very shortly. Stay tuned to the Fighting Saints report. When we come back, it's Willie Neerham followed closely by Tice Thompson. Stay tuned to the Fighting Saints report. And we welcome a very special guest on the, the podcast here. We're joined by Willie Neerham, who just finished his first year with the Arizona State Sun Devils. And Willie, thanks so much for taking the time to join us this afternoon. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, first and foremost, I know this is the question that everyone's being asked probably multiple times, but I feel like I just have to get everyone's perspective on it with the sports world essentially shutting down for uh, the foreseeable future. When you got word that the NCAA had canceled the remainder of spring activities, where were you, what were you doing, and, and kind of how did you come across that news? Yeah, our coach kind of introduced the uh... – the news to us earlier in the day, I think it was uh, Thursday before everything kind of happened. And then um, the NCAA shut it down, shut down the whole tournament and the remainder of the uh, spring seasons, uh, um, I think a day or two later. So um, I was actually with, uh, I was with my roommates and uh, we kind of read it in our group chat. And, you know, at first it's, it's obviously very disappointing and, uh, you know, you work so hard all year and, and even before that, with all the guys and everything, you go through so much and to have, you know, to have the season and, and, you know, your shot at a championship, you know, taken away from you, obviously it's, it's very tough, but I think when you take a step back and, uh, you know, look at everything um, uh, in the full picture here, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a couple of things in life that are, uh, that are bigger than sports. And I know sometimes it's, it's hard to, it's, it's hard to see that, but, you know, making sure everyone's healthy, everyone's safe uh, is, is a lot more important right now than playing a game. So. And you, you for, for fans that um, obviously most fans know your story by now, having done two tours with the debut fighting saints, but for those that might've become fans uh, more recently than others, you were with the fighting saints for a couple years. Then you went to college. You came back last season, the 2018-19 USHL season played a third and final year with the Fighting Saints. And now this was your first year at Arizona State. Uh, overall, how would you assess the first year, um, maybe from a hockey standpoint, but also just an overall college experience for you as well? Uh, it was awesome. So first and foremost, uh, the guys here were, were amazing. Uh, the second I stepped on campus, guys were reaching out to me and uh, asking if I needed anything, if I needed any help with anything. Um, you know, just trying to get to know me, build that connection really early. Um, and uh, one unique experience we got to we got to do this year is our whole team went over to China. Uh, we spent two weeks in China, um, like the beginning of August. And you know, not many not many teams even come on the like go down on the campus until like late August. So. We were with each other from uh, middle of July. We went overseas together. We experienced that. Um, so that really helped us this year, uh, just kind of create, you know, a, a connection and a bond together with everyone uh, before the season even really started. And then uh, I guess moving forward, um, you know, our, our team was awesome. We had a lot of great guys in that team, a lot of great players. Um, so um, I thought I thought we had a real shot at doing something special this year. And, 
as as for off the ice and everything as a college experience, it was it was awesome. It was a little bit different, uh, I guess, from my last college experience. As Miami was a was a really really small, um, like a square mile school, I guess you'd like to call it. But this is a little bit more bigger. It's in a, it's in a city. There's there's a lot more people. So um, it was a cool experience, and um, you know I can't wait to can't wait for everyone to get back on campus next year after this thing clears up. So you mentioned the the trip building a lot of chemistry with the team this year but at least for you you already had some ties even being a new person coming onto the team you had played last season on the fighting saints with james sanchez and jacob semek who were both on the the fighting or on the fighting saints and then made their way to the sun devils and then also you had a, a player from a couple years prior in josh maniscalco who was a sun devil but a former fighting saint what was it like to have that dubuque tie all the way in the desert yeah, it was awesome. So obviously having a familiar face or, or uh, two uh, always helps and I always breaks the ice. Um, I think I, I never met Josh before, um, but Oliver David had so many good things to say about him as a person and player. So I knew that was someone I could kind of kind of get in with uh, quickly and, uh, you know, look up to a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was uh, it was pretty special. So, I mean, those uh, Sanchez and Semek, and I got to know Maniscalco after a little bit more. I mean, I mean, three truly special guys who helped us helped us out a lot this year. And uh, we kind of – it's funny, James and I are, are juniors this year, and Semek was a freshman, but we were kind of figuring it out together. And mm -hmm. He was asking us questions, and, and we'd look at him and be like, we don't, we don't know. You know, we're, <laughs> we're new here too. So, um, but, no, it was, it was good. Um, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun doing it with those guys again. So, You mentioned James playing with him. You played with him uh, as part of the Fighting Saints. And uh, I, I remember a couple stories being done last year on the fact that you guys grew up playing hockey together. Um, and, and always when you, when you get to the higher levels, you never really know if you're going to play with those childhood friends again. So to not only have the one year in the USHL on the same team, but now to have one year already of college hockey under your belt on the same team, what did that mean to you? Yeah, it's awesome. So, I mean, I think a lot of people know that James and I uh, were good friends from our childhood. We played against each other and then with each other and against each other again, and uh, finally with each other uh, again there in Dubuque. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's really special. So, I like you were saying, there were – there were some stories done on us last year, and there were, there were stories done on us this, this past year, uh, just about us growing up and everything, and uh, you know how how we even managed to find uh, you know each other on the same route again. Uh, we would joke around that one day we'd play together again, and we'd always thought you know we had it mapped out. He was going to the NTDP, and then Michigan, and I was uh, you know Dubuque and Miami, so we always joked around that maybe in professional hockey one day, but. Uh, you know, it came a lot sooner than that. So, but uh, no, it was, it's, it's really cool to play with James and, um, you know, and, and I'm his roommate this year as well too. So I got to hang out with him a lot more. Um, but no, it was, it's, it's awesome to kind of get to go through it with him. So. And you guys have both played college hockey already, but going back to the USHL and then reintroducing yourself to the college game, was there still maybe not as much, but still a little bit of a learning curve for you this year, at least starting out in the college ranks once again? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, definitely for me, um, 
I think going back to the Buick was a little bit of an adjustment too, just because college and, and juniors is, is two completely different styles of play, I think. And, um, you know, when, when I got kind of settled in the Buick again, as crazy as that sounds, uh, you know, that's when things started to kind of click and everything and we started doing well and, and stuff like that. So, and then same thing happened this year, really, you know, we had a couple games in China, which were really good and everything. And, um, you know, then we had about two months of practice uh, leading up to our first game. And then, um, you know, the first, I would say, two weekends for me were, you know, not, not terrible, but definitely not where I wanted to be. And, um, you know, just, just a little bit of trust and confidence instilled in me uh, from the coach staff here, which was unbelievable. And I kind of hit my stride after that and just kind of tried to get better and better each and every day. So um, I think, uh, but yeah, to answer your question, there was definitely an adjustment period for sure. So... You mentioned hitting your stride, and when looking at the stats this year, 15 goals, 9 assists, 24 points total in those 36 games with Arizona State. But you were a point-per-game player in the last 13, 13 points in the last 13 games. Was there a moment towards the, the back end of the season where one game or one shift where something just clicked and you kind of said, hey, now I, I know what I have to do, and those points started flowing in? Yeah, I think there definitely was, but I think it was, you know, it was more of a, it was more of a, like, a point with our line, me, Brett Gruber, and Tyler Bush, we played together for the majority of the year, and um, besides the game here or there, um, you know, due to injuries or whatever, but we, I think, you know, we, we looked at each other pretty much like, I think it was right after Christmas, we got put together back on the line, uh, I think halfway through the second Harvard game and we scored a goal there and, um, and we just kind of kept rolling from there. We, them two lived right across the street from me. So, you know, building chemistry off the ice, and, you know, playing together and practice every day and just kind of talking and everything. I think together as a line, we, we knew we could take over and, and we, um, but we did it, we did it in like a little bit of a different way. We, we, we made sure we were, you know, really good defensively first. That was our that was our first priority was, you know, we'll win the draw in the defensive zone, get the puck out, and then we'll worry about offense. And, you know, luckily we we were able to pot a couple goals uh, the last little bit um, on the stretch. So, but yeah, um, you know, as, as a line, we really, really got it together. So. As you've had a couple – weeks now to to reflect on the season and again in, in talking to a lot of people and no one wanted the season to come to an end the way it did but since it you now know for sure it's over uh what are one or two things that you're most proud about individually that you were able to accomplish this season uh individually i think first thing would would definitely be you know proven to myself again that I, I can actually make it in this league and, and hopefully even beyond, you know, I think the first two years of Miami, um, you know, you kind of go in and as a young guy and, you know, getting taught to a little bit of everything and all this stuff and, you know, your, your head's kind of filled with air a little bit and then you kind of get kicked in the knees, uh, you know. So the first two years of Miami really kind of took a lot of confidence out of me and, but I mean, this year with the help of my teammates and my coaches and everyone around me, my family and everything, I, I was kind of able to, uh, I was kind of able to, like I said, prove that I could play at this level. And I think the second thing would, would have to be like, 
you know, actually, you know, producing and, and helping my team win. I think that, you know, when I look back on some of the games and everything and um, throughout the year, I, I think that I, I had, a you know, an impact on the game, you know, not just, you know, here or there, but actually on the score sheet or, or whatever it may be. So, um, and then obviously, I guess I have to wrap it up with, I mean, our team did our team did so well this year. You know, this is the first team I've been on, uh, this first winning team I've been on in, in college hockey, and it was it was the most fun I've ever had. So that was that was this was a truly incredible year. It's just kind of kind of I guess crappy that it got cut short. So you mentioned Miami, Ohio, there a little bit, and that's sandwiched in between uh, two different tours with the Fighting Saints, as I had mentioned earlier, you were part of the 14-15 team where you had 28 points, then the 15-16 team, a 27-point season, and then the 18-19 team where you also won the assistant captains, 47 points that season. And when you look at the stat sheet right now, the all-time lists in the Tier 1 area, your name's just littered across it. You're top three in games played, you're top five in goals, you're top six in points, you're number one in penalty minutes. You're one of the – maybe that's not something we should mention in the same breath as all the other ones, but uh, I, I think there's some merit to that as well. But when you look at all that and you just reflect on three years with the Fighting Saints, can you at least try to sum up your, your thoughts on your three years in Dubuque? Yeah, I mean, it's it, – I mean, they, all three of them were amazing and, and – in totally different ways. I mean, the first year I came in as this little kid, and, you know, the youngest kid on the team getting, uh, I guess, I just kind of, kind of learning from guys like Seamus Malone and Dylan Gambrell, Blake Hillman, uh, you know, like uh, Hayden Shaw came into that mix at the end, like uh, Jacob Benson, Sasha LaRock. There were so many guys, Brett Boyd, there were so many guys who were, you know, such leaders and, and they took me under their wing and, you know, they made sure I felt welcome. And, um, I mean, that, that was, that was incredible. In the second year, you know, it was, it was, we, we made a Clark cup run and with, with a bunch of great guys and, you know, and then the, the third and final year, I never thought I'd, I'd, I'd be the guy, but I was the oldest guy on the team. Um, you know, and, and it's kind of funny to see everything kind of go full, full circle from me going, you know, being the youngest guy to me being the oldest guy now and, and being able to teach some of the younger guys, you know, how to try to survive and, you know, thrive at that level and everything. So, I mean, I remember uh, I remember sitting down with James after our last game uh, against Muskegon there in the playoffs uh, two years ago. And, you know, I remember saying Dubuque's been my only true home the past five years. And, you know, obviously that was before I came here to, to Arizona State, but um, – you know, and I, I truly meant that, you know, Dubuque, Dubuque took me in and uh, and I'm forever grateful for everyone I've met there. You know, all, 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 the, all the teammates, the coaches, the billets, fans and everything. So, I mean, it was, it was, uh, my time in Dubuque was, was amazing. So, and I'd, I'd go back any second. So. I think your story is a perfect example of, of patience and staying the course, paying off. And we talked briefly before the interview started about uh, this year's team having success, largely because a bunch of players decided to come back for a second year. And those players were catalysts all season long. And you doing now three years in the USHL, 
What will your pitch be to a player who's on the fence about returning for that second year thinking, maybe I can make that jump to college hockey? Why would you really tell them to stay another year, if not two, in the USHL? Yeah, I think that I would just say, you know, like, you know, why, why risk her? Why even, why even chance it? So I don't think I've, I've heard any person ever say, like, man, I wish I would have gone in earlier. You know, I, I've I've heard many many people say, "Man, I wish I would have stayed one year, one extra year of juniors." So I mean, and, and people told me that too before uh, before I made the jump to college the first time. And you know, it's always in the back. You know, you're always saying, "That's not going to be me," or "I'm ready." People are telling me I'm ready, and it's it's really you know, it's really it's individual based. And like I said before, you know, like why why chance it? You know, and, and and anyways, just play an extra year of hockey. If you go in, then you have four years and then four years of college, and then maybe you'll play professional hockey after and stuff like that. But, you know, why why not play one more year of hockey and then four years of hockey? So, I mean, it's I, – I guess I guess guys taking the extra year, you know, it, it really helps out, I think. And So, I mean, that would probably be my pitch. So, I mean – anybody has any questions about that, you can, you can reach out and look at my story, I guess. And when you came back for your third and final year in the USHL, you obviously knew that you had already gone to college. You knew that you were coming back to try to go and play college hockey once again. With that plan in mind, what were, what were a couple of things that you were really keyed, keyed in on, on uh, improving in your game to make yourself a better player once you hit the collegiate level again? Yeah, I think just, you know, I mentioned a little bit before, like the confidence thing, just getting my confidence back. I learned, I pretty much learned how to play hockey again my third year in Dubuque, uh, you know, with that. And then, um, you know, obviously the extra ice time after practice every day in Dubuque, worked on my stride and um, try to get my skating a little bit better. Uh, as we all know, I, I skate in quicksand. So, but um, no, just, and then aside from that, really just try to, uh, focus on the things that make me the player that I am, you know, tops the circles down, puck protection, uh, net front, tipping pucks and screening goalies, just trying to own that. Cause you know, if I, if I do something really, really well, maybe, you know, a team will see that and a team might need that. So, and then um, aside from, I guess, the on ice stuff, just kind of, you know, just being the best person and, and best teammate and, and, and guy off the ice that I could be, you know, I think that word travels around the hockey world really quickly. And, you know, there's there's a lot of room in the locker room for a good guy. And there's there's not very much room in it for, uh, you know, not a good guy, I guess. So uh, I guess when I came back and moving forward, trying to get another commitment, that was one of the things I, were, I was focused on. So having the experience of now three junior seasons and, and – three seasons at the collegiate level you you obviously uh, know a lot of other players a lot more players than someone your age might know having played against a ton of people were there a couple familiar faces that you were really excited to, to play against again at the collegiate level when you hopped on the ice with ASU this year yeah absolutely um you know we uh <laughs> we played Michigan Tech with uh uh, Logs and uh, Leip, and uh, seeing those two were uh, 
it was it was pretty special. So um, Logan looked really good, and Chris was uh, was a staple in the back end. So I I think those two, uh, I think seeing those two put a big smile on my face. But uh, I don't. I I'm trying to think who else we uh, we may have saw. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. But I, I think those two pop up to mind uh, really, really quickly. So, and you mentioned the the trip to China and the uniqueness of that trip, and uh, it's something that not many, if any, people get to experience in a hockey sense, at least at the collegiate level. But outside of that trip and uh, how much you liked it, what was a, another moment this year that really just stood out to you as a great memory on the hockey side of things for your first season with Arizona State? Uh, I don't. Even, I don't know. I think you know. I think what really makes the season so special is just all the little. Sounds so cliche, but all all the little moments that you know you you try to enjoy. I think as a as a little bit of an older guy and you know a guy who's kind of been been around the block with a couple of different places. Uh, you know, a couple of different times, I think you, you start to enjoy the little things, uh, you know, every, every win, every, every practice and everything. Um, I think if I had to, if I had to pick one, it would probably be, uh, it would probably be our Air Force weekend. Um, uh, that was our first, that was our first sweep. That was the third weekend in. And I think that was when everyone kind of looked around the locker room and, uh, you know, kind of just nodded their heads at everyone like, man, we could do something special. You know, I think that's when everyone, everyone had that belief before and everyone had, uh, you know, the confidence in, in each other and in our team and everything. But I think that was the, that was the moment where everyone was kind of like, you know, like we can actually do something. We're not just a good team. We could be a great team this year, I think. So. With, with Arizona State still being a, a newer program uh, in the college hockey scene, but one that has burst onto the scene and just had uh, some incredible staying power in their first few years. Is there always a sense every time you guys hit the ice that you're playing with a chip on your shoulder, that there's something to, to prove to show that, hey, Arizona State's not just a school in the desert that had a club team and wants to compete with the big boys. It's a team that can compete with the big boys. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was having this talk with, uh, with our coach the other day, and I think that what makes our team so special is we're, we're one of the hungrier teams I've ever been on. Uh, I'd say probably the hungriest I've ever, I've ever been on. And everyone's playing with that chip on their shoulder. Everyone has something to prove individually. And when we put that together as a team, you know, there's not really not really a whole lot that can stand in front of us. I mean, when we're on and we're playing our game, there's, you know, there, there's I don't think there's too many teams that can uh, keep up with us. So um, I think obviously as, as a younger program, I think I'm not maybe not so much this year, but uh, looking back in years prior with, uh, uh, with, I guess, the wins and everything, you know, teams may have overlooked Arizona State, but, you know, you know with two, two really good winning seasons this, these past two years, I don't think anybody's going to look over uh, our program next year. So I think, obviously, we, uh, we have a lot to prove, and, you know, I want to be a part of that next year. And, um, but I, 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 think that, uh, I think that we're gaining the recognition and, you know, I guess the, uh, for lack of a better term, publicity here that I think that, the, you know, the guys have earned before me and what we earned this year too, so. 
speaking of next year, uh, before we let you go, one final question. Speaking of next year, you have a little bit of a longer off season due to the way this season came to an end. What are you going to try to do in the months leading up to next school year to better yourself and be ready for that, what you said, that, that big push to continue to try to build up Arizona State as a program? Yeah, I think just, you know, as as crazy as it's getting and, you know, as I don't know how long it's going to last. No one really does. But, uh, you know, just, just train, you know, train. Got to really, really, really hone down on your uh, – your diet here uh, the next next couple of months and everything. And, you know, you just got to think of it too. You're, you're, you're at no disadvantage uh, individually because everyone else is doing it. So, you know, um, work out at home, you know, and if anything, you know, I think guys will come back 10 times stronger just because they're going to be so bored out of their mind. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I, I remember, I mean, we're probably be working out twice a day and doing cardio and this and that. And I mean, I might even try yoga and anyone who knows me, I, I can't, I can't really do yoga. So, um, but I, I think that just kind of getting really, really, you have to really focus this, these next couple of months, you know, cause it's obviously, diff, it's obviously difficult. You know, you're, you're not seeing people, you know, you're, you're uh, at the home gym, but uh, I think just, just really trying to, I guess lock it down, stay focused would, would be my my next step. So, well, I know we'll be following your your next step closely here in next season with Arizona State as much uh, of the Saints population will as well. But good luck next season, Willie, and really appreciate you taking the time to join us here today. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, Jeff. And now for our next guest. And we're now joined by a special guest, a Saint for life here today, in Tice Thompson. And Tice, thanks for joining us. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. So uh, first and foremost, I, I have to ask, what have you been doing to to keep busy right now? I know we were just talking before the interview. It's kind of boring. Everything's been shut down. But what have you been doing to try to stay active? Yeah, I mean, there's not really a whole lot I can do. Um, obviously, this is a good time to spend time with the family. Uh, I've been playing a lot of games and watching movies with them. So taking advantage of the family time that we have here has, uh, has been nice um, in terms of like getting out of the house couple courses are open so I'm going to golf uh, quite a bit which has been nice but nothing nothing too serious um, just trying to stay safe and stay at home how's the golf game coming uh could be better yeah always could be any good rounds yeah any, any good rounds any good shots you, you're willing to share with people or uh it's still too early yeah it's still too early but <laughs> how about on the uh you mentioned watching movies have you watched any movies or shows you would recommend to people who they can uh what they can do on their weekends maybe yeah i've been uh binge watching uh money heist uh so that's been a good one so far yeah i just started watching that a couple days ago. i'm only on season one i'm assuming you're much further along yeah. than that no, I'm I'm actually towards the end of season one. I just okay. started it, so. Yeah, gotcha. Have you? Uh, everyone I've asked so far has said they've watched Ozark. Are you an Ozark fan? Have you gotten into that yet? I I started it, but I I'm not usually too good with shows, so I haven't been keeping up with that. But uh, this, I like I like Money Heist a lot. There you go. This might be the one time that I can actually yeah. keep up with a show consistently. Uh, so let's dive into the hockey side of things a little bit. Obviously, uh, you were a fighting saint, but you went to Providence after your first year with the Saints. This was year two at Providence. Overall, what was year two like for you? Yeah, I think anytime you're at a place for more than just one year, uh, it helps. I mean, you're a lot more comfortable uh, with the environment that you're in. 
Um, I mean, Providence is a great school. I, uh, I really enjoy it there um, and the hockey program as well. So I've, I've been uh, blessed and pretty fortunate to be a part of, part of that organization there at, with the Friars and the school too. So. We were looking at the, the national charts in terms of point leaders. And for a time there, it was you, then Jack Dugan, back and forth, just bouncing over each other, leapfrogging each other at the top of the charts. What was it like to watch the season that he had up close for you? Yeah, I mean, he's an unbelievable player, also my roommate. Um, so I had a great uh, opportunity to know him and play with him uh, over these past two years. And, and just to watch him on the ice, I mean, it's pretty special. Um, he has a great vision and, and the way he uh, makes plays and, and sees plays develop before they even happen is something special and definitely a gift. So, uh, I mean, I think everything that he got this year, he definitely deserved. And uh, he, he's, he's a special player. You two being roommates, was there any friendly competition, friendly banter back of the room going, going forth? Who was going to get more points the next game or anything like that? Yeah, uh, maybe a little bit. Um, just a little internal competition, trying to beat each other uh, here and there. Um, but no, I mean, ultimately, both of our mindset was team-oriented um, and what we could do best to help the team. I know you said the mindset is team oriented, but when you look at just the, the numbers that you put up your first season, you had 25 points in 42 games this season, you had 44 points in 34 games. What changed from year one to year two to lead you to that big jump? I think uh, just being more comfortable and confident with uh, the college hockey. I think uh, freshman year, I mean, it's obviously tough coming in. You're playing against a lot of older and, and stronger guys that you're not really used to. Um, so that that challenge was definitely tough freshman year and I think everyone kind of takes time to adjust and then coming in this year I think uh, I had a big summer I got a lot stronger and bigger and I think that helped and then just overall confidence um, knowing like what I can do and and what how I could play at this level. The other stat that jumped out to me as I'm looking at the elite prospects page was you had 19 goals this season and the furthest I can scroll back on elite prospects is 2014-15 uh, I believe and that was for uh, Connecticut Wolfpack 16U when you had 16 goals so this is the most goals in a single season that shows up on elite prospects for you what led to you suddenly putting the puck in the back of the net so much? Yeah I don't really know um, I've always usually been a a pass first uh, kind of guy. And I, I think this year, going into this year, I've, I wanted to uh, shoot more and add that to my game. So I'll um, have that as well. So I think this year I was trying to shoot the puck more. And I think whenever, I mean, when you shoot the puck on that, I mean, good things happen, even though they may not always be nice goals or whatever. But I think that, and then plus I was fortunate to play with some great players this year, um, as well as in the past. But um, I think that helps a lot too. Were you working on just shooting more or also working on getting some more power on your shot as well when you talk about just working on that aspect of the game? Yeah, I think just, I mean, getting the puck off quick as soon as you can, uh, just being able to have a good release and the goal, catch the goalie uh, sleeping or, or not moving uh, fast enough. So I think that's the big thing as long as you get it on that quick. So the first time we spoke was at last year's NHL draft in Vancouver. Uh, I was fortunate enough to work it for the USHL. You obviously fortunate enough to be drafted by the Devils 96th overall. Uh, when you heard your name called, just take us back to that moment and what the emotions were like. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, it's been a dream uh, for since I was a little kid to be drafted into the NHL. And then that, that, uh, that night uh, we were sitting up there and I was with uh, a lot of my family from Arizona. Um, and then, uh, my dad's uh, family friends from, uh, Canada 
they uh they came out to so it was nice i had a big support crew there and um honestly when i we weren't really paying too much attention at that moment um and then i just heard my name i really didn't know who 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 picked me so it was kind of funny walking down i didn't really know where i was going um but i finally uh, realized it and it's i mean i'm ecstatic to be part of uh the devil's organization i couldn't ask for a better better place to be with and uh i'm excited for the future and the devils that's that's pretty close to your backyard that's almost your backyard right that's pretty close to home if i'm yeah, not mistaken. yeah it's only it's only about probably two hours away so it's pretty close yeah i looked it up on maps and it said an hour but i'm sure you're saying two hours because it never takes an hour to travel anywhere yeah. around new york yeah i know it's the travel's brutal here yeah. there's always traffic unfortunately I know now it's you know for New Yorkers it's probably great that traffic's down but obviously this is not the circumstances you would want to see it under but yeah, this is maybe one of the only times that it's a true hour to get there um right. you were mentioning that you got drafted by the Devils didn't really know but now it's a team from in your backyard um have you had a lot of contact with them since you were drafted and what has that process been like maybe talking to some of their coaches what they want to see from you things along along those lines yeah, I mean, obviously at Prospect Camp, um, you get to know a lot of the staff and, and the players and prospects there too. So that helps. And just to learn from them has been nice. Um, but in terms of during the season and as a recent, um, in terms of talking with the team uh, or the staff there, uh, it's mostly just player development guys that will come out and watch games. And I'll talk to them um, and give me little tips and see how everything's going. But nothing major. It's, it's kind of nice to just let me play and uh, kind of like wait till, wait till the time is right. You know, with, with no hockey games going on, with no real organized events at all, what have you been doing on your end to continue at least a little bit of maybe maintaining yourself in shape or in a hockey shape or anything like that? Yeah, I've actually been fortunate uh, to have a, a local uh, or the guy I usually train with uh, set up a little place where we go and work out, just me and my brother. So we go uh, four days a week in the morning and just, just go and lift and try to continue staying in shape the best we can. Um, while while this whole thing is going on hockey in the morning tea time in the afternoon yeah yeah I mean we're just working out right now uh but that's that seems to be the the play um I usually have uh online school though I have to take care of which yeah smart smart to throw that one in right before the the yeah. working out in the golf that's a good good plug there yeah I have to add that in. <laughs> as we uh as we talk about hockey let's throw it back to Dubuque and you spent one season there what do you remember most about your junior experience with the Fighting Saints yeah I mean Dubuque's a great spot if anybody gets the opportunity to play there and first class organization in the USHL and from top to bottom they really care about the players um and treat treat them um, like their own so it was definitely special I had great billets there and great teammates so I made a lot of memories there with with them and uh, yeah I couldn't have asked for a better place or, or year to play my junior what aspects of your game improved the most in that season that allows you to be comfortable enough to make the jump to college hockey yeah I think going there um, I had an expectation to play uh, a top role there and that kind of bounced around during the year. So I think I really learned how to play all areas of the game, uh, really rounded myself in a more versatile player, um, being able to play a fourth line, third line, top six, whatever, PK, power play. So being put in those different situations throughout the whole year, I thought was great for my development because um, you're not always going to have the same role wherever you go. Do you have a favorite memory or one memory that kind of sticks out above the rest when you think back on your time at Dubuque and it can be on the ice or off the ice or both? Yeah. I mean, anytime we were, 
we were in the locker room on the ice together or just together as a team. I mean, it was, it was a blast. So that was always great, but I really enjoyed typically Thursdays after practice, we would go have uh, a lot of the guys would go over to Ichiban, uh, have team Hibachi. Uh, and then we would go over to uh, Casey Stoms and Scott Corbett's house to play uh, poker and, and watch TV. So that was, I really enjoyed those days. It's funny. I think you're the, the fourth or fifth former player I've interviewed, and every single player has mentioned something about poker night. So it's still yeah. a tradition that continues yeah. on today. Uh, yeah. You're the first one that mentioned Ichiban, but that also continues as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so looking at the USHL and how much it develops players for college hockey, I was looking at Providence roster this season. 22 of 29 players on the roster came from the USHL. Uh, who of those that you were able to play with this year or last year were you most excited to to play with that you maybe played against in the USHL? Yeah, I mean, actually, Providence has quite a bit of uh, debut guys coming coming through there, so that's always nice to see. Um, but, I mean, I couldn't really think off, off the top of my head uh, who I really uh, was excited to play with. Uh, typically, when I play against them, I don't really like too many of the guys. Uh, <laughs> but once once they're on your team, uh, they're good guys, and it's it's nice to meet them and, and get to know them. You mentioned the Fighting Saints connection this season, Shane Cavanaugh and Spencer Young, the captain for Providence, and he actually just signed a pro contract with the Milwaukee Admirals today, but they both played uh, for the Fighting Saints and now on Providence. What's it like to have that connection where you both can bond over your time in Dubuque and then also be part of another team in Providence? Yeah, I mean, I actually had the chance to go down there as an affiliate, and uh, I mean, they were older, so they were there before me. Uh, but go down as an affiliate and uh, kind of hang around them. And then coming into this the past two years, uh, having those guys around, uh, kind of like talk about our times in Dubuque for sure, uh, whether it was poker night or, or just little things that happened or talking about other teammates that we, we played with uh, in Dubuque. Um, but no, I mean, they all have nothing but great things to say about Dubuque, and I, I don't blame them. Any talk of doing a, a Providence poker night with you, Kavanaugh, and Young? <laughs> no talk yet but I, I would like that maybe you can get a virtual poker night going on zoom or something like that yeah yeah and, I have to um when you look at and again thanks for joining us on the the show today yeah. but when you look at what you're going to be doing between now and hopefully when another season starts what are two one or two things in your mind that you really want to focus on so that you're best prepared for year three yeah I think the biggest thing for me is just getting stronger um so I think over the summer, just working out and putting on a weight and strength is going to be the biggest thing. Um, and then just different things on the, on the ice, small details like uh, your release or uh, tipping or just little different skill drills that you can do on the ice are different things that hopefully will prepare me for next year. Well, Tice, thanks so much for taking the time to uh, join us. Good to know that you're at home staying safe and uh, working on the golf game yeah. as, as well. Uh, I'm trying to work on that as well, too. And like you said, it's, it's slow progress. So maybe by the end of this all, we'll have a couple shots that we're actually proud of. But again, thanks for taking the time. Uh, we really appreciate it. And we look forward to seeing what you're able to do uh, the next time out on the ice with Providence. All right. Thanks, Jack. Take care. We welcome you back once again, Jack Molesky, Jim Leitner. Hope you enjoyed those interviews with Willie Neerum, who will be starting his senior season with the Arizona State Sun Devils uh, when the next season rolls around. And then Tice Thompson, who will be hopping into his junior year with the Providence Friars. And as we wrap up the show here today, Jim, uh, we were talking just off the air, but about, I guess, the, the two things that come to mind when 
We were talking about following these players after they leave Dubuque is one. There are a lot of players to follow because there's a lot of success at the higher levels from fighting Saints fans. And two, at least for me personally, talking to a lot of fans and the Billet families too, they really express not just an interest, but they express how they follow these players and actually go and watch them play again, speaking to the community that Dubuque shows for their hockey team. Yeah, that's what the, one of the things that's really neat for me. And, you know, I always say uh, we're, we're really kind of blessed because we actually have two teams here in Dubuque. You know, we have the team that's here currently, and then we have the team of alumni, which by my count, I think we had uh, 70 or 72 guys playing, competing at the NCAA level this season. And it, you can always turn on a game and there's always a fighting saint on TV uh, when you're watching college hockey. But you know, so that for me, that's what's really fun is watching those guys. And, you know, if you look at it that way, there's never a weekend where you don't have a winner. <laughs> no matter how your no matter how your team does, you're always going to have a team that or a guy that's having success, uh, either a saint here in town or a saint uh, alumni. But, you know, you're right about the, the, the billet families and everybody. Uh, I'm actually blown away anytime I talk to an alumni of uh, the program they always talk about how their billet families they'll go watch them play in minnesota or they'll go watch them play in penn state or they'll go watch them play <clears throat> excuse me wherever they are and it shows a lot about uh, the relationships that the billet families build with these players and you know it's something that you know these guys are going to remember for the rest of their lives and you know you talk about guys being invited to their weddings or being on on Christmas card lists or, or whatever, they're always staying in touch. And it's a, it's a great reflection on the billet program that we have here in Dubuque. And, you know, the way, the way that these, these players build bonds with, with the families that are here, it's not like they're just here and, you know, just on a, a short road bump on their career. They, they actually appreciate what happens here and they remember it for the rest of their lives. And you talked about uh, the 72 players, at the NCAA level that were former fighting Saints. And you're going to add, obviously some of those players are leaving, but you're going to add 19 from the team that played last year at some point. And obviously that number could grow with a couple players having yet to commit from last year's fighting Saints team. But once again, uh, and I don't want to just give credit to, to Dubuque because they do a great job churning out players, but this is more a reflection, I think, on the USHL as a whole and how much of a hotbed it has become for future NCAA talent. Oh yeah, no doubt about it. And, and I think uh, just as big a part of that is the, uh, the attention that the USHL put, uh, puts on the, the academics on everything that goes away or goes on away from the ice, you know, the, the being a good citizen, the uh, you know, just being a big part of your community and, you know, I think a lot of these colleges look at these these programs and they see that they're not just turning out great hockey players, they're turning out great citizens. And that's what they want on their college campus, especially when you're you're making an investment in a kid for four years. I mean, you want to make sure that you have a kid who's who's going to take care of his schoolwork, who's going to be a good hockey player, who's going to be a good citizen. And, you know, that's what's uh, what's great about this league. It's it's they pay a lot of attention to the important things away from the ice as well. And, you know, I think that's what a lot of these colleges covet. And before we 
finish up here on the Fighting Saints report, I know with, with 72 players, there's no way we can acknowledge all of them or n- nearly enough of them on a, a show, especially when we're confined to the parameters we have with, with two great interviews with Tice Thompson and Willie Neerham, and you'd rather hear them talk than, than us talk, so we'll keep it brief. But uh, the two players that I wanted to shout out that had great seasons at the NCAA level this year, um, but also for a bigger reason than that, they were able to sign some AHL contracts recently, and that's Spencer Young of Providence and also Gordy Green um, of Miami of Ohio, both of them signing AHL contracts. Uh, Green was with the Marlies, and I believe Spencer Young was with the Milwaukee Admirals, uh, and that caps off a fantastic collegiate career for both of them. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's the big thing, too. I mean, you get uh, you get opportunities to play. You know, I think a lot of people, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you think, you know, you have to be drafted at age 18 or, or else your career is over. But, you know, a lot of times you play in the USHL till you're 20. You know, you go to the collegiate ranks and you can play till you're 23, 24. And, you know, there's still there's a lot of guys out there who are kind of late bloomers. You know, and it takes them a little while to really find their game and really, you know, catch up body-wise or, or whatever. And uh, this is an opportunity to extend your career. You play at a high level. Uh, the atmosphere in college hockey is unbelievable. You know, it's a, you know, you have packed arenas, loud, you know, crazy student sections. Uh, it, you know, it's a great opportunity. And you're getting a, a good quality education on top of it. So, the college route is a, a great way to go. And, you know, you see guys like that who get opportunities to play at the, the American Hockey League level and uh, just because they, they extended their careers and they, they kept working and kept playing. And so I think that's a good good place to end on just with the, the success that the Fighting Saints continue to have at, at producing great collegiate players, but then to the credit of all the players that move on to that next level the continued work ethic that they show to better themselves and move forward and uh, be great at really whatever they decide to do. It's, it's hockey, but it's also other things outside of hockey that we've seen uh, former fighting saints go on to, to do big things in. Uh, if you're enjoying this podcast, obviously, like I said, visit anchor FM where we post once a week on Fridays and also visit Spotify. Uh, we are now on Spotify as well. Jim, thanks for taking the time once again to join me. Always look forward to, these chats and looking forward to a couple more coming up with some pretty big interviews that we have on tap. No doubt. It's, you know, it's a lot of fun. You know, you get to catch up with guys and uh, a lot of of these guys don't have a whole lot going on right now. Uh, Stuck at, or I don't want to say stuck at home, but safe at home. Uh, So a great opportunity to catch up with a lot of those guys and and a lot of great, uh, a lot of great representation of fighting saints not only at the college level but at the pro level and it's it's awesome that you guys are catching up with them yeah absolutely and we'll talk to you all uh next friday again at 10 a.m central 11 eastern and in the meantime check out the archives on anchor fm if you missed any of the first three episodes and we look forward to talking to you again next friday